In all passages of life, we need dedicated community to sit with us, hear us, and nourish us. As a traveling birth attendant, Serendipity provides live-in support, creating mother-centered, personalized care. Cultivating women's well-being and sovereignty is at the heart of her work. By offering her life and services to the rising sisterhood, she proudly carries no certifications or authority from the state, allowing her to be wholly and completely loyal to women, which means that she has walked the paths of heartbreak, abuse, and trauma with enormous sorrow and suffering. She has also walked the paths of joy, ecstasy, passion, desire, and victory. Holding the knowledge and wisdom of her foremothers, Serendipity walks with women through all seasons of life, specializing in care for mothers, communities, and the land. I'm wel welcoming today, Serendipity. You say some really interesting things um, in the in the first on the first page of your website, and you say that. Um, there isn't a single place on earth that has not been traumatized by patriarchy and colonialism, making surviving girlhood to womanhood difficult. So how do we take back our power? We need concrete means to reclaim our birthright as fully sovereign beings, forging our own journey and the future of the earth. Can you just talk to me about that? It's so powerful. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so I, I grew up moving from home to home. I, I grew up in nine different schools, 12 different families and in four different states. And after graduating out of the system, I moved, I just found a study abroad program and moved to Spain. And then from Spain, I dropped out of college and started hitchhiking around the world uh, with very little resources and just making money as I went along. And I, I really came to realize power dynamics and the biggest power dynamic being men over the lives of women and what that looks like um, in different cultures and different places in the world and different, even here in the US um, in different regions of the country. Um, and, you know, surviving girlhood to womanhood. I think that that's that's something that that looks different for everyone and not everyone that I knew as a child has made it to womanhood and that looks a lot of different ways you know um, and I know that the the biggest thing for for women is to get the power over their lives to to reclaim the ability to make decisions without a man. And so what I mean by that is, who do you pay rent to? Who do you pay insurance to? Um, who, you know, who do you, like, do you go to the doctor when you're pregnant? Do you turn yourself into a white coat? Um, and how do we get our lives to a point where we meet everyone in partnership, you know, where there isn't necessarily an authority or someone that thinks that they know what's best for us or our children. Um, and I think that the way that we treat mothers is a direct reflection of how we treat the earth. And so anything that we do to support mothers is going to support the earth. So you mentioned this, there's so much I wanna ask you about that. Um, one thing is that you mentioned that you do not have 
certificates or paperwork or any of those kinds of things. That really resonates with how I've always taught uh, the birth companions that I've taught and, and basically how I've lived my life without paperwork. Um, uh, what does that mean though for like, so basically the question that I'm kind of moving towards is, I completely agree with a lot of what you're saying. I also have uh, traveled a lot of my life with uh, working with women and and very powerful women who have chosen um, to do things independently and and powerfully. But I also worked as uh, as a doula for many many years in a hospital where in various hospitals where I was working with women who who really are not there, you know. They're not there. They want to see my certificate. They want to go to their doctor. They trust their doctor. They trust their doctor, even though that doctor screwed up their first birth and, and, and subjected them to an unnecessary cesarean. And then they go back again. And so how does our kind of the, the, the arm reaching and loving care that you're doing reach, reach those women as well? Um. It's, you know, it's precarious, I guess. <laughs> um, I, I choose to not have any certifications I, originally for, for a legal standpoint um, so that I can legally go to a free birth and not uh, be held liable if, um, if there does need to be a transfer. Um, you know, I... I have this this conversation a lot with women and and there's I don't I don't really have a place in my community where I'm doing outreach um or where I'm trying to like get women on the bandwagon or anything like that and so I most of the women that I serve um don't look at me for any type of coaching or you know, even um, advice, and it's it's purely like I think that women know what they're doing. I think that women, when when they get to a point in their lives where where they've accepted responsibility over their lives, over their family, over the babies that they're having, um, then we then then I'm able to meet them in more of a partnership way, and that's what I'm interested in. Um, and I've, I've definitely had to decline women um, who are looking for me to save them or being like, oh, well, I want you to, I want to hire you to come into my house. But if we have to transfer, then I really want you to come because <laughs> like mm -hmm. they know I'm a force to be reckoned with. But I don't, I don't have any interest in, in going to hospitals with these women or um, being in that kind of setting. And I don't, I don't necessarily have any answers for how to recruit, <laughs> um, you know, women out of the hospital or boycott the hospital in any way. I think it's not really so much a question of recruiting as just wondering so much what it is. This is my, this is my question these days. My question is specifically wondering what is it that makes someone even vaguely interested in in giving birth or living life or raising their children 
uh, on, on their way, whatever that is, without feeling that they have to do it somehow some, some other person's way, like their partner or their mother-in-law or whoever it is. And I think you are speaking to that very clearly. Like you're speaking to the women who have chosen that, yes. What is that? That, that you know, because it's not, there isn't any kind of, you know, certain profession or certain, you know, standard of living. Like it's not people without medical insurance or with it, or it's just there's certain powerful women that have chosen to do that. And I'm interested right now in finding out what what is that, you know? So I think that the more community you and I and people like us make, um, it, I think it will spread. I don't think there's any need to recruit people because that's not going to happen. That's just playing the same game everyone else is playing. Mm -hmm. But I wonder, do you have an insight into what it, what that thing is? <laughs> I, I, I think I do. I call it finding the women. <laughs> And um, it's, it's this click that happens when, when you find the women, when you, when you intentionally gather with women, when you intentionally have women in your life, there's, there's just something that happens. And once it happens, there's no going back. <laughs> um, and in high school, I heard this phrase, and it was just like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm. And I think that that's kind of like you, we have like these progressions in our lives where we just start to see hierarchy. We start to see power dynamics. We start to see how men have complete control over our lives and then we can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. Another interesting thing that you, that you talked about, which seems really quite eye-opening to me um, is that right, actually right here when you open the, your website, I see a lifetime of support. And you actually are very different from so many, um, so many people that I know that work with in any kind of healing capacity or, or any kind of companionship capacity, which, and they talk about very carefully, um, you know, the closing, and uh, you know the, the like the final session or whatever it is where you close that chapter with the person, but you talk about uh, you know lifelong relationships with the women that you're serving. Can you can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I so like I mentioned, you know, I I grew up in in a re, in in the system um, and not really having women in my life who I could count on and like really just moving through the system, getting, you know, tossed from home to home, school to school. And right now my prerogative in life is to make long committed relationships with women. And it's very clear to me that a mother centered world is going to heal humanity. It's going to heal the earth. Um, and so how, what does centering mothers look like? Um, and it does not look like, you know, I, I see sometimes on like doula pages, it's like, oh, I'll come in and do baby's laundry and do baby's dishes. And, you know, and I'm just like, well, what about the rest of the family? You know, it's just like, so I know that, um, 
you know, moving is a stressful time. Having someone to take care of the meals and help the kids pack while moving, that's a big one. Um, divorce and separation, that's another really big one where it's like, you know, you could really use a doula <laughs> when you're getting a divorce. <laughs> or, um, you know, if, you're, if your child gets ill um, and, and it's a, it's a long-term illness, um, you don't want to clean or, you know, do meal planning. And so I, I've really just come to the, to, to the fact that 95% of women become mothers and almost 100% of mothers have to do all of the housework, all of the family management inside the home. And so what does mother support looks like? It looks like supporting her inside the home. There's a, there's a kind of a weird thing that happened um, in the 20 years that I've been working with, uh, with women in, in the, during the childbearing year. And that was that um, it became from, from doing exactly that, from being a traditional, what, what they used to call many years ago, like in the 19th century or something, we were gossips. So the gossips were the mothers, were the mothers helpers like the sisters the aunties the who knows what the busybody in the village who didn't you know whose children were all grown who would go in and you know make some soup and take care of the children clean the house and do all the things that you do when someone's just had a baby or someone's moving or someone's husband has gotten sick or whatever and it grew into this kind of para profession where first of all um, you never do it for free because that devalues it. And secondly, you only do within very strict limits. Like you wouldn't sweep the floor. You only assist someone through childbirth and you wouldn't, you know, do the dirty dishes or, or, you know, clean the bathroom out of, after a home birth and things like that. And so in a way, we did have a rather pure vision of what we were doing and then it became again co-opted by the whole system and the you know the kind of you too can be a professional success do you feel um do you ever get into like conversations with with so-called professional doulas about what you're doing um yeah i do i I, my, the majority of feedback that I get from like certified midwives and certified doulas is like, oh, it's so great what you're doing. But then they have a lot of criticism for the mother for not hiring them as well. Right. And so it's like, oh, you're only having, you know, like a household support or you're only like, you know, like I, I don't, I'm, you pay me <laughs> to come into your house, but um, you know, I don't, I don't actually know a lot about, you know, complications in birth. You know, I'm not going to be the one who who's there being like, oh, you know, like this is this is what we do now. Um, I, I absolutely don't panic ever. And um, I've had women be like, yeah, I'm hiring you to come to my birth because I know you won't call the cops. <laughs> You know, um, in, in, in any situation, you know, um, I'm, I, I feel like 
I don't have a place to tell you what your variation of normal is. Um, and if you feel perfectly fine after three days of being in labor with a swollen cervix and you still want to hash it out at home, like me too. <laughs> um, and one of the conversations I do have with the women I work with, um, especially and their partners, is conversations about death, you know, like, are you okay with dying? Are you okay with your baby dying? What will that look like if it happens? Um, because I, I, one of the other things that I, I haven't had too much experience, but I'm, I'm very much uh, open to, to handling death outside of the system um, and what that looks like for a mother or a family. Um, and so that, th those things is what get most midwives and doulas a little heated when I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with a mother dying in childbirth, and I'm not going to be the one that calls the cops on that. I'm not going to be the one who puts my energy into that. It's their family. It's their decisions. And, you know, I, I can hold that. I can imagine a lot of midwives not being happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So how do you co incorporate your own life into your work life? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that there's too big of a difference between my work life and my life. I, <laughs> you know, I, I decided I was just like, how can I get paid for living the life I want? Like, how can I start asking people for money for doing what I do naturally? And so I think that I'm still trying to, you know, figure that out uh, completely. But I, I lived most of, you know, I, I graduated high school and right away started traveling. I've hitchhiked in over 40 countries and, um, and from when I first started traveling, I was doing like my, my first paycheck traveling, I did an after school program teaching English in Spain. And uh, they paid me a hundred dollars a day for teaching after school program. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I got jobs doing private childcare with uh, more upper class families. Um, and I um, I did a care for a Muslim family in, in uh, Kosovo during Ramadan where the kid and I would like I, I got paid just to make the kid meals and hang out with him and because they don't they, the kids can eat um, and so then from there I and like, so I was just getting like more teaching jobs and child center jobs or child care jobs um, and traveling with that. And then I kind of switched over um, or I, I became the age where all of my friends started getting pregnant and having babies. And so then I would specifically travel back to places um, and live with friends while they were um, going through pregnancy and birth and postpartum. And then my friends started paying me and at first it was like a thousand dollars for a month and then you know i had a friend that paid me um 
$50 a month for two years. And, um, and so it's just kind of slowly grown on its own, but I don't, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a journey and a process because I'm, I feel like I'm still just living my life and trying to make it a business and trying to figure out taxes and trying to figure mm -hmm. out, you know, like, because like honestly like the way that you know you have like the tax write-off for bit small business owners and stuff like that I'm just like well everything I do is in service to women so does that mean like everything gets written off yeah. <laughs> you know so do you um do you have do, do you work for free for some people that can't afford it or do you work for bartering things or those kinds yeah. of exchanges oh yeah I probably work for free more often than I should. <laughs> What's your vision? You have you have pretty serious views about what you're doing and the damage that's been uh, perpetrated. So, what's your vision? Um. This okay. This is what I say. I vision a world that's mother-centered which means that women are safe from violence with happy children and full bellies. Wonderful. And I, I stick to those three is like, if we can build a world where women are safe from violence, all, all types of violence, um, and this means starvation, this means, uh, you know, unnecessary surgeries, violence from partners, violence from men, violence from, I think, you know, like the, I, the, the world that we live in, the society that we are living in is, is an abusive society. And we all are walking around with certain levels of PTSD uh, because we are partaking in this abusive system. And so when, when getting into like how to have a nonviolent society, we have to start looking at how violence is perpetrated and how violence is encouraged and how violence is a norm. Um, so with trauma, trauma is a pathology. You can look it up at a diagnosable, um, you know, disease that you can be uh, like, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, not prescribed, but diagnosed. You can be diagnosed with it. Um, abuse is not. Abuse is considered normal. So having a response to abuse is considered a pathology, but the abuse itself is considered normal. And so how do we vision a world? How do we create a world where abuse is not normal? You know, where, where abuse is abnormal. And I don't have the answer to that. I just, I want it to happen really bad. I think every little step that we make is, is the answer. Every little step that all of the women that I'm, that I'm right now reaching out to and communicating with and have walked along the path with for most of my life, we're part of the answer. It's mm -hmm. just gonna unfold the way it's gonna unfold. You're part of it. I'm really, really happy to have discovered you and, and, and to be speaking with you. If you were going to just pick one word 
to leave our listeners with for today, what would it be? Ah, uh, power. Um, yeah. And I think that empowerment is a lot different than power. Uh, empowerment means that you can move between disempowerment and empowerment. And that means that it is working to benefit men. And power, true power, is what, is, is what women hold. We have the power to create life. And men do not have that power. And so that would be my one word is, is power. That, that is what women are. Women are powerful. And we, we, are the, we are the ones that have power, that have true, true power. Thank you so much. Love to you all. Love you. Next week, super interesting, Deborah Pascali Bonaro. See you then. In the meantime, stay well. Spread the love. Keep on.